Welcome to episode 332 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was engineered on Tuesday, 27th of June, 2023. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. I'm Carlton Reed, and today's show is a bonus episode recorded when I was at the MOVE Mobility Conference at London's Excel last week. It was there that I bumped into Oxford Green Councillor Emily Kerr. We had earlier bonded on Twitter over our use of the Telram Citizen Traffic Counter, and we met on the Telram stand at MOVE. We talked about Oxford's 15-minute city conspiracy theories, low-traffic neighbourhoods, of course, and cycling to Emily's recent wedding. Yeah, so there's a decision happening right now um, about the Cowley low-traffic neighbourhoods in Oxford. So we've sort of had two sets of low-traffic neighbourhoods. One is in Cowley, one is in East Oxford. My ward's in East Oxford, but obviously anything that happens in Cowley has implications for for my ward. So the decision being made right now is whether the um, existing uh, unlockable fixed bollards should be replaced with ANPR, so yeah. i.e. cameras or not. And if they are, who should be allowed through that ANPR? So there was a consultation that proposed that it should just be emergency services and effectively bin lorries, you know, other mm-hmm. kind of yep. like, those kind of services. Yep. Um, but a recommendation that came out is that taxis should also be exempt. So I think there's a discussion happening as to whether, um, you know, whether that will... We know that any additional car on the road creates additional road danger, right? And I think there are some situations, for example, the ambulances, where the trade-off is that, you know, you have quicker ambulance services, and so maybe that's worth the additional road danger. Whereas the, if you start letting more and more and more, it depends how many cars are coming through and how fast they're going, how much more dangerous those roads will be. You know, I think the taxi firms are professional drivers. You know, I'm optimistic that they will stick to the speed limits. But if we suddenly start having a hugely increased flow of cars, it does increase road danger. Those routes are key for kids getting to school. And suddenly you see a situation where um, people won't feel safe for their children to walk and cycle or people will only, you know, will, will revert to driving. And, and I think that would be a real shame when we So the decision is, the you can imagine it's a no-brainer for emergency vehicles. Mm. But the decision is also for taxis. So what is the actual decision? The decision is whether the ANPR replacement should be should happen at all, firstly. Right. Because, in fact, we've seen in Cowley that the ambulances are not very delayed by the yeah. existing LTN structure. You know, they can unlock the bollards and the rerouting system. So, in fact, there doesn't seem to be, from the data, much delay to emergency services. So then there's a question about whether you should replace the bollards at all. And then secondly, the second part of the decision is whether that should just be for emergency vehicles or whether it should also exempt taxis as part of the public uh, transport infrastructure in Oxford. Because here at, at the show yesterday, uh, um, a mate from, man from um, Hackney yes. was saying the reason they brought in their LTNs, yes, clean air, all that stuff, 
But it's, it's very much to remove through traffic. And yes. he was saying, uh, according to their stats, 40% of uh, motorists going through on uh, the main roads of Hackney were never, ever going to stop. They're using it as a, as a, as a, a through route only. Um, but if you have ANPR to let residents, you've still got 60% in that case, even in Hackney, which is a very low car ownership, you've still got 60% of the people in that case, potentially using cars. So ANPR is no solution if you're going to allow residents in, yeah. for instance, because that you've still got an enormous amount. But So you haven't got that decision. It's not going to be residents. I mean, only... I think, you, as you'll be familiar with, like a lot of people are asking for a lot of different things. Yes. There's a lot of different suggestions. Um, and some people have mooted the idea that residents should also be accepted. And I think that's extremely dangerous. That ends up in a situation like South Fulham, where it's used as a, uh, as a mechanism to control congestion, but actually it doesn't promote active travel because there's simply too many cars going too fast. People are not switching to cycling and walking and, and they're kind of scared to, to walk and cycle. Like we've got a survey in Oxford from a, Oxfordshire from a couple of months, uh, a couple of years ago, which shows that sort of 70 to 80% of the reason people don't cycle more is fear of traffic. Yeah. Like, and that's consistent when you look at so so if you have more traffic you necessarily have less cycling and again at low levels of traffic we know that every percentage increase in traffic provides a corresponding increase in road danger so if we're going to let five times as many vehicles through for example you're making it five times more dangerous so i suppose um i'm also very keen you know and you and i've talked about telegram counters right which are brilliant because they can measure what's happening so regardless of what happens in this decision i'd really like to see better measurement so we can see you know i'm concerned if taxis are allowed through that we might see some speeding and a lot of increased road danger but you know we might also not taxis are professional drivers. Maybe everyone will stick to the speed. Maybe we'll find that, you know, um, they only use it when they really need to, to, to drop off and they take the long way around. And, you know, also in Oxford, mm. we are having traffic filters, you know, in the next 18 months. So there's sort of opportunities to tweak the scheme. Uh, my concerns might be baseless. We may not have any problem. And I think that's why measuring it is so important. Yes. And I, I talked to the Telegram guys. I'm talking about Lent because I believe that tech is yeah. ground. Yeah. changing for people like me and you yeah. and any person on the ground trying to to get these kind of like uh, counters now on the stage this morning i was talking about 15 minute cities yes and i kept it very positive yeah. i just mentioned about the conspiracy theories i said and neither of me and the, the uh, henry who was from dot yeah. we neither of us are paid by the wef Ex oh geez oh okay so you are paid okay we are my scoop of today is Emily is drinking from a, a World Breath. Economic Forum water, water bottle. bottle. Yes, it was oh, a yeah, quite yeah, amusing yeah. present from someone. I, uh, yeah, I like this. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Yes. Just to throw it in there. So you're not a shill. I'm not a shill. Henry wasn't a, a shill. But there is an enormous amount of conspiracy theories. Yeah. So my question really is, how on earth are you getting through this? Because you must be getting bombarded with I'd like to say fringe. It's almost no longer fringe. It's almost a sizable proportion of people. And I know that you are absolutely the locus for this in Oxford. Yeah. Uh, so how on Emily? How are you coping with the abuse you must be getting? So I think that weirdly, it's not been as bad as it sounds in Oxford because what's happened is it's been such a big deal that people have gone away and informed themselves. And so um, 
I think it's actually within Oxford, it remains fringe. You know, we had a massive protest. Almost all of those people came from outside yeah. Oxford. And so that started to make people in Oxford that weren't informed, you know, really question what was going on and be like, and in fact, you know, I had a couple of, uh, several people come up to me and say, um, I don't agree with the LTNs, but I don't agree with people coming in to Oxford and trying to like co-op this debate even more. And actually now I've been reading about them and, you know, maybe there are some advantages to the LTNs. I'm still not sure about them, but like, you know, and, and so I think um, it's not been as bad as it probably looks externally in Oxford. But you're I think, still getting threats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abs absolutely. Absolutely. But I think, you know, I'm a woman on the internet. Like it's, mm. it shouldn't be like this, but it is. And I think what you really realize is it comes from a very small group of people. So I was interested in the, the, the Harry and Meghan story, right? I think there was some stat that showed that sort of 80% of the abuse came from like 50 accounts Piers or Morgan. something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm sure he was one of them. Um, but, but, you know, I think it's the same thing, actually, like particularly on Twitter. Um, I block people that are personally insulting to me. That's mm. really the main reason I block people. Otherwise, if they make ad hominem remarks, I just block them. I actually now get very little abuse because it's a very low number of people right. that are aggressively attacking pretty much everybody that does anything in active travel. And I think, you know, I'm kind of optimistic about the population and, and people's ed level of education when they decide to understand something. And actually, I think in Oxford, we've seen a lot of people decide to understand and get interested in traffic. And, you know, you and I talk about this with Telran. It's like citizen-led reporting. Like, how can we... I think getting people more involved can only be a positive except right. for the fringe of people who probably are trying to co-opt the debate for their own purposes. But so, yeah, it's it's okay, is what I'd right. say. Right. Uh, well, that's very positive and good to hear, especially from an Oxford point of view, because yeah. I assumed you must, you, know, you must be at the centre of the maelstrom there. But as yeah. you're saying, it's people from outside mainly. Yeah. Who are doing this? And if, if you look at all the people who are the main ones, yeah, these are people coming traveling. Yeah. To yeah, Oxford. Exactly. And also, I really did enjoy um, the, the council's recently uh, pedestrianized Broad Street, which is the main area in the center of Oxford, which is obviously where the anti 15 minute city kind of p parade gathered in this mm. beautiful place that had been pedestrianized just a few months previously. And they would have had no chance of getting in there earlier because obviously it was full of cars. And now it's no longer a car park. It provides a sort of gathering for people that want to protest. And, you know, I'm from the Green Party. I support people's right to protest peacefully. And even though I don't agree with it, like, you know, they should be allowed to to come and protest in your pedestrianized area in my beautiful pedestrianized area exactly if, you know yeah i think i made the point at the time if you count the number of people who were walking down broad street if you had them in cars and they were protesting you'd have basically gridlocked the city for hours and yeah. hours and hours yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas you get one group of you know okay there was hundreds and hundreds of protesters there but they then walk through and there's no no Exactly. Nothing is basically happening to the city whatsoever because they're, they're just walking through. Yeah. And that was almost an advert for why you should be having 15-minute cities. It was like, why are they not seeing this? Exactly. You know, we... I had a particularly when the, the move was first announced and it, when it first became a kind of, you know, a, a global conspiracy theory, I had people coming up to me at the school gates and being like, is it true we're not going to be allowed to leave our houses by, you know, I was like, well, no, it's not true, actually. What's happening is you're going to have to drive to the house. A bit like, you know, we have had on Oxford, in Oxford for more than 20 years, you're not allowed to drive through the high street in a car between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. And everyone was like, oh, is that it? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, you know, you're not going to be able to drive through the city centre. The reason for that is we need to speed up the buses. We need to improve access for people in vans, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We need to lose private cars from the city, make it safer for people to switch. 
And people were like, oh, right, is that it? And so, you know, I think that, as I say, it was obviously very alarming for people when it was first announced because they hadn't understood it. But I, I suppose in general, I think people do, do now understand it and support the idea. Oh, that's really good. Really Most good to people. hear. Like, let me caveat this with, there yeah. are obviously people that don't. See, but... where I'm from, Desmond, is yeah. also, it's actually a very posh area. Yeah. It's a high level of education. Basically, it's university lecturers, it's students. There should not be this level of misunderstanding on this. And I don't think there is a misunderstanding. As They just want to continue driving. Yeah. And it does tend to be, I, I get told off for this if I bring the age thing in, but there ain't that many young people. The yes. students are not protesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, again, I'm getting told off for this, but it's inescapable. It's the boomers. Yeah. And you see the comments and the petitions. It's my 80-year-old mum is like, so it's basically an age thing of people who have grown up with a, a motorized society, cannot imagine not using cars. And also on the petition, you find that people are, they're not saying they're trip chaining. They're not saying, you know, I've got to get 20 miles away. And it's, you know, the last mile is being, they're saying, I want to drive 500 meters. I want to go from, they give their location. I want to go from here. And I can't any no longer get to these posh shops 500 meters away. And they can, but it's the older people are just, they are so married to their cars. And it's like, why are you driving in jazz? Even if you're older, why are you driving in jazz? Are you finding the same, is it the same demographic? So, so there was something that I did find particularly funny, which was a person that was very outraged that they were going to have to take a longer way round to drive to Merton College's real tennis court. And I was like, I mean, you know, like real tennis is a uh, an Etonian sport that only a very few people play. You know, fundamentally in my ward, 50% of people don't own cars. And I, I don't see why someone that should be able to drive a quicker route to Merton to play real tennis, uh, you know, and do, through doing so impose road danger, bad air quality, you know, on my residence. Like, so, so, um, I think that's true. I also think, though, um, that probably what we see in Oxford, where we already have a high cycling share, is that there are quite a lot of people who are much older, you know, in their 80s and 90s, who don't drive any longer because they don't feel safe to drive, but they cycle and tricycle. Like, it's amazing, you know. So, in fact, the, there are, of course, people whose parents in their 80s will suffer for, through not being able to, you know, get somewhere as quickly or they'll have to take them. But in fact, there's actually a lot of people that it's given freedom and the ability to get around on like low car routes. And actually, you know, it's amazing. My mother's one of them. My mother won't drive. She's in her late 80s. And, and when she comes to visit us, she can cycle around Oxford. She can go anywhere. I did an interview with a 94-year-old cyclist who hasn't driven for years, but he has the freedom to get around Oxford, you know, on a bike. And we see this in the Netherlands. You know, when you look at somewhere that's got truly high share of cycling for older people, that people talk about the freedom of it. You know, and in fact, I talked to some um, refugees. We have this amazing charity in Oxford that does uh, refurbished cycles for refugees. Now, those people cannot afford four grand a year to run a car because that's what costs, you know. And so they've got a cycle and this, they're talking about cycling, giving them freedom. So they've been given this cycle that's like a hundred quid, reconditioned lights, you know, helmet, um, lock, all of that kind of stuff. And suddenly it's like, oh, I can visit my friends in Oxford. I can visit other people from my community. I can get to church. So I think the narrative of cars as freedom applies to a specific demographic. And actually, for a lot of people, that's not true. If you're poorer, if you are, you know, unable to afford the space or or the, the money to, to own a car, like actually safe cycling provides freedom. And I find it really kind of motivating and, and interesting. And I agree with you because I've interviewed people 
Yeah. Uh, it's actually in my local um, uh, sourdough shop. <laughs> yeah, first world problem. Yeah. Um, but I actually cycled there. And it's, like a, 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 it's actually 15 minutes to get yeah. there. Literally 15 minutes for me to cycle there, uh, which is handy. Uh, but I was, in, I, was, I was talking to her in, in the queue, and she's telling me that, because uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm well known yeah. in my area. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm stalked uh, by the opposition who t- post photographs of me on bikes and stuff. It's quite, quite creepy. Yeah. Um, so she knew who I was because uh, she hangs out on one of these groups and she's talking to me and she's saying, well, I, I would have normally driven to, to Jesmond in my, she's got a little, you know, little car, which uh, is now nah, because she lives in a, like a, the, like yours is, you know, one, yeah. one district removed. She's, you know, one suburb removed from yeah. Jesmond. And she says, but now that they've got the, uh, the LTN in, I'm now cycling there. And she is in that demographic. She is very much in that boomer demographic. Yeah. So it's freed up for her. And that, you know, counteracts the people who say, but it's made it more difficult for me and it's given me, it's not freedom. So there's probably a huge number of people, yes, who are saying it's damaging for me, but then we're not hearing from the people who's like, actually, no, I'm now cycling there. So do you think there's a, there's a look, has it, do, you, do you think it might be a silent majority or is it just 50-50? What do you think? So, you know, I'd say I, I actually do hear from a lot of those kind of people because as a local councillor, mm. a lot of people come up to me and talk to me. So the, I remember the sort of the third day someone came up to me and, and a lady again, a boomer lady, came up to me and was like, Emily, I had to cycle to my allotment today. I suppose that makes you happy. And I was like, actually, yeah, it does. <laughs> and then we both laughed. And like, I've seen her since. Um, and yeah, she switched exactly the same. She knows how to her allotment she used to drive. And, and you know, I, I really see it at the school gates because I've got young kids. And so now, um, you know, it, the, the shift in my school is astonishing. We now have 13% of people who drive their children. The national average is 65%. Like it's remarkable. And that is driven by the LTNs. So what the, was the shift? What was it before? I, unfortunately, we do not have the pre and post data. So there's another school very nearby, Larkrise, and we do have the pre and post data there. And it was 35% driven and now it's 15% driven. So it's been like a massive shift due to LTNs, due to other measures um, in terms of that people now cycle their kids. They feel safer, but also it's easier. Humans take the easiest option, right? And so if the easiest option is cycling, people cycle, you know, and... We need to make public transport and cycling and all of these other ways of getting around easier than private cars because there's not enough space for private cars. And, you know, again, the emissions like in the UK, we have 80 percent household car ownership. Worldwide, it's 15 percent. Like, Do we really want to add in an extra five billion cars to the planet and whatever the number is? That's a, you know, and and the associated emissions, manufacturing, mining, etc. We really don't. You know, we need people to use cars when they need cars and otherwise have other other ways of getting about. And what are you doing here at this mobility conference? So I'm here to, to, to look at some of the kind of new and innovative stuff that's happening. So I was very interested in talking to the, the Dutch delegation. Mm-hmm. So as you've seen, they've got like a whole group of micromobility and other company, uh, other companies and um, organizations there. I'm interested in seeing some of the kind of car sharing stuff that's happening, and, you know, and the switch to electric. So all of those things. And also I'm here to listen to some of those really great speakers. I, I'm interested in innovation, how we can learn from other countries, because I think the UK is lagging to a degree, um, and how we can really shift about improving public health, uh, improving road safety, and, you know, helping people to, to get around by bike, because I love cycling. It's great. So, you know, that's probably what I'm here Beautiful. for. Beautiful. Now, tell people where they can get more information on on your 
job, your work in Oxford, and then uh, your Twitter feed. So you can use those two two websites. Perfect. Um, so yeah, so I think in Oxford, we've got the Oxfordshire County Council, who are the Highways Authority. And I actually work for the City Council, um, not the County Council. Uh, so, But you know, I think we work together fairly kind of collaboratively. So I think probably the Oxford County Council website's got a lot of press releases and a lot of information about some of the brilliant stuff they're doing. Obviously, they've got a Twitter feed, they've got a Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I uh, have a Twitter account. So I'm Emily Kerr 36 on Twitter. Um, and I try and share not just what we're doing, but also what sort of, uh, you know, everyone's doing. I'm interested in Lambeth. We were just talking about Lambeth, you know, Lambeth's not a brilliant curbside strategy. There's loads of cool stuff. Obviously, Jesmond, you know, I'm seeing what you guys are doing up there. Uh, Wales is doing brilliant stuff. I think there's a lot of local authorities, national authorities that are really looking at this in the right kind of way. And we need to be trying to learn from each other. Thank you. And finally, just wait, has there answer. been a decision? What a great question. Let's check live uh, whether there has been a decision on this. Um, the Oxford Clarion. can be still yabbing, yabbing, yabbing. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of people speaking on this. There yeah. often is. Um... No decision when we were recording, but a few minutes later, the Oxford Clarion Local Democracy Twitter account revealed that councillors voted through the decision to allow some motor vehicles to access the LTN via number plate recognition cameras. Taxi drivers would now be allowed through, for instance, making the LTN roads into, well, taxi superhighways. That'll be an interesting development to keep an eye on. But meanwhile, let's get over to David for a quick commercial break. Hello, everyone. This is David from the Fredcast and, of course, the Spokesman. And I'm here once again to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn build bikes that make it easier for you to replace car trips with bike trips. Part of that is being committed to designing useful bikes that are also fun to ride. But an even greater priority for Turn is to make sure that your ride is safe and worry-free. And that's why Turn works with industry-leading third-party testing labs like EFBE and builds its bikes around Bosch e-bike systems, which are UL certified for both electric and fire safety. So before you even zip off on your turn, fully loaded and perhaps with a loved one behind, you can be sure that the bike has been tested to handle the extra stresses on the frame and the rigors of the road. For more information, visit www.turnbicycles.com to learn more. And now back to the spokesman. Thanks, David. And we're still with Emily Kerr because she wanted to tell us about cycling to her recent wedding. I do want to talk about my wedding, not just for the sake of talking about a wedding, but because I've been thinking a lot. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I've been thinking a lot about location-based events and how we need to try and drive that shift. And, you know, I got married in Oxford. Um, and so most people came by train. Some people came uh, by bus. My husband and the kids got to the church by bus. Um, so did most of the wedding party. I arrived on a cargo bike, which was uh, taken by uh, our local cargo bike delivery firm. So you weren't pedaling, you were being No, I shuffled. was not pedaling. Uh, usually I do pedal, but uh, I wasn't. Um, my photographer arrived on a bike. You know, we had, uh, and, and some people arrived by car. So, you know, we had some people with limited mobility. I had a couple of friends arriving with young kids. You know, I don't think we should ban cars at all. You know, some people need cars and that's really not a problem. And even if, you know, there were some people that didn't feel like it on the day, but I suppose the point is that we, it's a situation where most people shift to public transport 
cycling, lots of people came by bike, you know, is, is a good system for everybody because it means that people that need to come by car have space on the roads to do so. Thanks to Emily Kerr there, and thanks to you for listening to episode 332 of the Spokesman podcast, brought to you in association with Turn Bicycles. Show notes and more can be found at the-spokesman.com. The next episode will be out in early July, and will be a whole bunch more interviews recorded at the MOVE conference. But meanwhile, get out there and ride.